It is exciting to know what awaits us. How many of you were excited when you were a kid? You couldn't wait for Christmas morning. You woke your kids. You woke your parents up at four o'clock to get them up to go open presents. Yeah, there's some of you out there. That's right. Um, were any of you punished for getting up too early? Oh, you had soft parents, man. You had soft. You were softies. Mine did. Uh, Mine stayed in bed. I have been looking forward to sharing this message for a while, um, and the more that I studied it, the more excited I got about it. But we're going to review. So I'm going to throw up the board uh, that we've had over the last two weeks for the Christmas that was and the Christmas that is. And I, I just want to uh, go over them again so that we understand the process. Because I think it's worthwhile. I think you could use this diagram to lead people to Christ, and many people do. Let me get a little outline, I mean a little marker here. Uh, you have this on your outline. Uh, we talked about how our world is broken. Amen? Amen. Shame, guilt, pain, all the things. And the reason it was that way is because we rebelled against God. And we brought our brokenness into this world. And our world has been in a shambles ever since. Not to say that there aren't good things in this world, right? There's chocolate and coffee and bacon and all those other good things. <laughs> we, we are able to love people. And, and, but it's not how God designed it. He did not design cancer. He did not design murder. He did not design broken marriages. He did not design any of that. That was never a part of his world. That wasn't his plan. His plan was perfect, but we broke it. But because he loved us so much, he's going to send Jesus, right? So he comes in and he sends Jesus and he teaches us all about life. He teaches us about truth. He teaches us about the Word. All of this is true. And then we know that He's going to die. He is also going to rise again out of an empty tomb. And so the Christmas that was, was Jesus coming to rescue us. And so we go, woo right? Amen. Last week we looked at the Christmas... That is, and that is this side of the equation, and that is we are to follow, but we're given the gift of the Holy Spirit so that we can be transformed. Say woohoo, woohoo. Woo That's right, because we aren't the same people that we were. We are being changed because the Holy Spirit's living in us, and we're having a different worldview, and it's just so awesome. And, and so now we're at the Christmas that will be. Because one day, we're going to be back here, but we can call it heaven for sake of... There are some other words we're going to use, but God's perfect design is when we are whole again, and we're perfect. And that is going to be an incredible gift. And so we're going to talk about, really, the, the two gifts of, of Christmas. Uh, the first one, the very first fill in the blank, is, is pretty easy. And that is heaven, right? So we're just going to put heaven up there. And I want you, if you can, you, you can, but I'm just going to read a little bit from Revelation 21 that talks, you know, Genesis starts at the beginning, but we get to Revelation 21. And this is what it says about heaven. 
John's writing in this vision that he sees, and he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard in a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. See, that was God's original intent. And he will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. Verse 4 is just so perfect for heaven. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Our brokenness is gone, our pain is gone, our shame is gone, our dysfunction, our stinking thinking, our addictions, our coping mechanisms, they all are, are done. And, he's, and then it goes on and it just says, He was seated on the throne, said, Behold, I am making all things new. Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. I am... I am the Alpha and the Omega, and the beginning and end to the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. And we, we, we think about heaven every once in a while, right? Especially as we get older, we start to think about heaven a little bit more. Uh, but but the, here, here are some names of heaven. Uh, and we're just going to go through them kind of fast, because I, I think uh, you, you know a little bit about what the Bible says about heaven. But I really want to focus on the second part of the message, which is where we're really going to focus in on. And that is uh, the glory. But we'll get there in a moment. So the names of, here are some names of heaven. Uh, it's called my father's house, right? It speaks of relationship. It's called a holy place. It's called a kingdom. It's called a heavenly country. It's called a city. It's actually called a barn. You know, in one of the parables, Jesus says the angels are going to gather the wheat into my barn, you know. Uh, it's also called paradise. It's, all, it's all also called home. It is a place of rest. It's a place of life. It's a place of purity. It's a place of worship and praise. It's a place of happiness. I like that. A place of happiness and joy. A place of knowledge. A place of comfort. A place of health. A place of light and beauty. These are all descriptors out of scripture. Uh, it is a place of reunion where we get to go and be with those that have gone on before us that were in Christ. It is a place of fellowship. It's a place of service. But I like that it's a place without sin. It's a place without darkness. I don't know if you were ever afraid of the dark. How many of you, by the way, just raise your hand if you, when you were little, were you ever afraid of the dark? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Especially horror movies, right? <laughs> Let's not go there. Uh, it is a life without suffering. Hallelujah. Our bodies aren't going to break anymore. You know, we, we're not going to have it. Is a, it is a life without curse. It is a life without separation. It is a life without defect. It is a life without weariness. I like that. So that's one of the gifts, the gift of heaven. But what about the next fill-in-the-blank? And it's going to go to where our text is going to be. So you can turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. We're not going to spend a lot of time. This is not an exegetical uh, sermon. It is more of a topical because we're talking about heaven. We're talking about the gifts of the Christmas that will be. 
but as you turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, I want you to realize that the second fill in the blank is one of the other gifts we're going to get is glory. Okay? Glory. Now, ask yourself, or can you wrap your head around that? That somehow you're going to get glory. You don't feel very glorious, do you? <laughs> no. We mostly feel sometimes ugly because we know the real me. You know, Cammy kind of knows the real me. And so uh, your, your spouse may know the real you. You may not even know the real you, right? And suddenly, Scripture says that we are going to have glory. And you're like, well, how, well, how does that work? I don't know if I can get my head wrapped around what it means that we are going to have glory or be in being glory, okay, if I'm near Jesus, then I'm going to be in glory. It's it just, it just hard to understand that we're going to have glory. But look at uh, Thessalonians with me, and it's going to be up on, your, on, the, on the board. Uh, but we ought to always to give thanks to God for you. He's talking to the Thessalonians. Brothers beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved. And I want you to realize that, you know, on our diagram with the three circles, it's right here in Scripture that we are saved through the sanctification by the Spirit. That's the following. So this is Jesus' part. This is the Holy Spirit's part. And then it says, To this he called you through our gospel, so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. You're like, whoa. I'm going to obtain the glory of the Son of God? Does that not like blow your mind? How can this be? How can we go there? Well, there's some other scriptures I just want to throw out at you just so you realize that this isn't a one-off. Okay, let's look at Colossians chapter 3. It says, set your mind on... If you could go to the next slide, Heather. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also will appear with him in what? In glory. You're going to appear in glory. Let's go to the, to the next slide. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day for this light momentary affliction called life, called sharing the gospel, being persecuted because you want to stand up for righteousness' sake, is preparing for us a what? An eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. You are going to have in this, this incredible glory. You're like, okay, I'm still not comfortable with that idea. <laughs> right? I, I'm not. And as we look to the things that are seen, but, not, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. How about 2 Timothy, when he writes to Timothy? He says this, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound, therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with what? Eternal glory. Man, do you know the New Testament talks about glory 165 times? 
That word is used 165 times. And part of it is talking about us getting glory when, when we die. And, and still, that makes me uncomfortable. And then how about the next one in Hebrews chapter 10? It says, For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. He's talking about Jesus bringing us to glory. And then the last one, it says this in 1 Corinthians. It says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Talk about when Jesus comes back. It says, we shall not all sleep. That means we're all not going to all be dead. Some of us will be alive. But we shall all be what? Changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised and perishable, and we shall be changed. It's like, okay, the Bible says we're going to have glory. Now, what does that mean? Because I thought that we're supposed to cast our crowns at the feet of Jesus. Right? That's scriptural. And to all, to God be all the glory, right? So how can we say to God be all the glory and we're casting crowns at the feet of Jesus and yet scripture says that we're going to have glory? Well, what does that mean? Seriously, I mean, what does it mean? Well, I'm a little confused. Uh, but maybe... Maybe we should look at the definitions of glory, right? Maybe that will help us out. Uh, because what we think glory is may not actually be what the Bible's talking about when it talks about glory. Uh, and if you actually do look at it, it is different. Ah, okay, I'm starting to feel a little better. <laughs> Biblical glory is much more than praise and honor. Um, it is something much deeper and significant. And uh, I think by the end of the message, you'll understand exactly what glory is. But let me tell you the classical Greek definition of doxa. That's the word, D-O-X-A. We get doxology from it, right? Doxa is the Greek word that, that meant in classical Greek, and I'm talking you know, Aristotle, I'm talking Socrates, I'm talking Homer, I'm talking those guys, the way they use the word glory is this, an opinion others have of me. An opinion others have of me. In other words, the honor resulting from a good opinion of me. If you think highly of me, then you're actually saying that I have glory. Because you see something in me that is praiseworthy. Does that make sense? So when you have a high opinion of, the, of someone, it's their glory. But the biblical writers really enhance, they almost redefine doxa in, in a different way. And I'm, I'm going to show you a, a, a graph, and, and I'll try to explain it. It's not that technical, but uh, let's throw the next. That's it. Oh, no, let's go, let's go back to the definition. I'm sorry. Let's look at this definition for a second. The biblical definition of doxa is a manifestation of splendor and brightness and power and praise and honor and fame and repute or radiance that characterizes a person or place. Mostly it is defined as a state of being 
the something which radiates from the one who has it, leaving behind an impression of others. And you're like, what did you just say, right? I mean, that, uh, yeah, I had to live with this definition for a week to kind of start, you know, parsing it and figuring it out. And so let's go on to now the next slide and, and, and talk about this. The 165 times that the New Testament uses the word doxa, it is a state. Most of the time, it is a state. And then, yes, it means brightness and beauty and, and glory greatness and heaven. And it refers to angels and, and honor and power to glorify or to swear to tell the truth, to give. Okay? And, and so what, what does that actually mean in, in, in real language? Um, this is how the, the biblical writers made doxa deeper. And, and we'll go on to the next slide and it'll help explain the little things. In other words, glory is not something you necessarily get. It is a manifestation of what you are you radiate out what you are. Now we see sunlight, right? It's coming from the sun. But it's different from the sun itself, right? The sun itself is the, the object, but the sunlight is the, is the manifestation of the sun radiating out. Does that make sense? So let's go on to the next slide where it says, so to give God glory means to recognize who he is, what he is shining or radiating forth, whether it be righteousness or goodness or love or power or greatness or majesty or mercy or grace, comfort. To give God glory says, I see his mercy and it's radiating out of him, and I give him glory. I see his righteousness, it's radiating out of him. And it is the radiation that is of the glory part. And so, glory is a state of being that God is. He is glorious, but he's like the sun. He is who he is, and what he radiates out is the Shekinah, it is the brightness. It is the fame, it is the honor, it is the glory. So, next slide. So our future glory is really about what, catch this, because this is where the whole message hinges on. Our future glory is really about what we are going to be changed to as a completed Christian and start shining forth. We aren't given glory we are changed and our new natures shine. And the shining is the glory. So it's not like, oh, I'm going to glorify Carol. No, God is going to change Carol and she's going to radiate glory. Isn't that awesome? That's what it means that it is a state. That you are changed. That's the greatest gift of the world, isn't it? That's the gift. You are changed. Even the littlest bit of sinful nature that you still have, because I know you've all conquered it, right? <laughs> and you say, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, I've conquered my sinful nature. For those of you that think that, even the littlest bit of your sinful nature is going to be changed. That is the gift. 
You're going to be changed into what Scripture says, the image of Christ. You are going to be called sons of glory because Jesus is in the, the wedding feast awaits us of Christ and his bride. And it's going to be glorious. You will have a brightness to you. <clears throat> Remember that, that doxa is a manifestation of splendor and brightness and power and radiance of who you are. Just like the sun, sunlight is a manifestation of the sun radiating out what it is and what it does. Uh, Paul says it this way, because this is what's happening in our world right now. And we, with all unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. In other words, we've already started shining. That's why Jesus said, let your light shine before men in such a way that they'll glorify me and who, who's in heaven, right? And that is, when you start dealing with your dysfunction, you start dealing with your shame, you start dealing with the things that the world is trying to cram down you, and you start getting right inside, you just start to radiate. You know, Scripture says sometimes you're a fragrance of Christ. You know, and, and so it's just like you're radiating out. Now, let's put a little bow on this for a second. Turn to Exodus. If you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter 33. I think you'll want to see this for yourself. And then you'll have that aha moment, I think. Exodus 33. And we're going to pick it up at verse 18. Uh, the Israelites are, have just really messed up. Uh, they've made some golden idols. God says, I don't want to go with you. I'm done with you. I'm through with you. Just leave Moses. I'll send an angel, but I ain't going with you. And, and Moses says, we'll pick it up at that, uh, uh, verse 18. Well, no, we'll back it up to 17. And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do. Because Moses said, if, if you're not going with us, we ain't leaving. We're going to stay right here in this stinking desert until you go with us. And God was so impressed with Moses that he says, verse 17, the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you. That's key. I know you by name. And Moses said, please show me your glory. Like, okay. We're going to find out what glory looks like, right? Show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. Wait a second. Glory is equated to a character of God. Are, are you with me? The sun is shining, but what we see is the sunlight. So he says, I want to see. I want to see that. And, and again, go back to verse 19 where it says, I will make all my goodness pass before you and proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And then he goes on, I'll be gracious to whom I'll be gracious, and mercy on whom I will show mercy. But I can't, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me. You shall stand 
on the rock. And when my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. It's God's goodness that is shining, and, and we call that shining glory. So going back to the classical definition from the Greeks, to have an opinion of others is kind of have a baseline of, of understanding what doxa means. Moses is saying, I really want to know you. I want to know you. And God says, then I will reveal my goodness to you. And you shall see my glory. What is God doing? He's God is revealing himself. But as he does, it's sunlight. You know, it's this radiance. And when Moses sees God's goodness, it allows Moses to know him. And Moses sees God's glory. And Moses is never the same person again. You know, when we find Moses at first, he's... he's He's hedging his bets, you know, even at Pharaoh and the ten plagues, he's hedging his bets. And, and then suddenly he sees God's glory and, and he is never the same man because he has seen who God really is. He knows who he is. It, it, it's, it's like glory or doxa is hardwired and is really connected to knowing the person, okay? Uh, recognizing something in their character. And that's why Jesus describes eternal life not in elements of time, but in knowing. Let me, let me read what Jesus says in John 17. He says, Father, this is the beginning of the high priestly prayer in John chapter 17. Jesus says this, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, going to radiate them. He's going to show us his mercy and his love, his compassion for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And he put him on a cross for us. Glorify me. Put me on that cross so that people may know you. Because he goes on and he says, since you have given them, since you have given him, that is himself, authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And then he says these iconic words that just rattles your brain. He says, this is eternal life, that you know God and that you know me. <clears throat> eternal life is never described in the Bible in terms of time. It's ongoing duration. But it's about knowing, and if you know God, you get to see his glory. Do you know in heaven there is no sun or moon? Because it's God's glory that radiates, His goodness radiates out of Him that we don't need a sun. His mercy is radiating out of Him. We don't need a moon. We don't need any of that lights. Because God's goodness, His very glory is illuminating everything. Because you know Him. You know, it's. have you ever read this? And it's just so sad. I'd rather reign in hell than serve in heaven. Have you ever heard that phrase? They don't know God then. They're going to be in eternal darkness because they have chosen to reject because they don't know God or won't submit to God. And man, they're going to be in darkness. And here in heaven, there is this no there there is no night. 
because he illuminates because of who he is. His glory just shines out of him. Have you ever heard this phrase, to know me is to love me? Now, that has some cultural trappings, right? Yeah, it does, because if you're a pig, and the more I get to know you, the more I don't like you, right? But with God, that is true. The, that the more you know God, and not just know about Him, facts and figures, but really have a relationship with Him, like Moses wanted, the more, you, the more of His glory you see. Are you with me on that? The more you see Him, uh, the more you know God, the more you're going to see His glory, His beauty, the radiance, and that makes you to fall more in love with Him, right? How many of you have been married more than 20 years? Okay. <clears throat> Do you see some glory in your spouse? You can say, yeah. 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 Why? Because they're so handsome? No, <laughs> it's not that. But when you see their heart, you're like, oh, man, that's why I'm so attracted to you. That's why I'm so in love with you. You're radiating out what's inside your heart. But the glory is the radiating part. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So I have an object lesson. I'll call it an object lesson. And I'm going to ask that, Bob, you would, you would go and turn the lights off for a second. Um, you, you're going to, Heather, leave, leave that slide up just because I'm going to need some light once he turns that out. It's going to get dark. I want you to... I didn't prep this as much as I should have. Bear with me for just a second as I get these tea lights ready. You're surprised I knew there are tea lights, huh? <laughs> All right. This is you in heaven. These candles, these 16 candles, represent you in heaven. And I want you to realize that there is no glory in your sinful nature. There is no glory in sin. Um, there is no fame there is no honor in your sinful nature there is nothing really good and so you don't radiate out anything right because there is no glory in a sinful nature and I want you to see what happens to your life once you get to heaven and you come, become completely changed. Because you might have had a little flicker. So let me say it this way. In heaven you're going to be completely changed. And I'm going to have 16 things that are going to change in you. Now, they've already started to be changed a little. But now they're going to be changed a little bit more. Let's go to the next slide, Heather. Your sinful nature 
is suddenly going to be righteous. So we get to light you. And your shame that you used to be so embarrassed about and you hid from, now, instead of having shame, you have honor. Honor is... And instead of guilt, you know what you have now? I should have put innocence, so sorry about that. Because in heaven you'll be innocent, but you'll have innocence. And you light. And you're going to be broken, but now in heaven, what are you going to be? Whole. Man, you're going to be whole. Let's go to the next slide. You were once dirty. Ever feel dirty? Say amen, you have. Mm -hmm. And now that has been changed because it's all about being changed. That's the gift. And now you're pure. You were once weak. But now you're strong. You were once in bondage. Bondage to this world, bondage to the culture, bondage of what other people think, so you're trying to please them. Bondage of not even knowing who you are, and you're trying to figure that out, and you're trying to figure it out by all the things the world offers you. But in Christ you have been set free. And how about sorrow? Your sorrow turns to what? Joy. Joy! Hallelujah. Let's move on. Instead of being rejected, you now belong. Isn't belonging wonderful? So many kids do so many stupid things with their lives. Can you say that? Because they want to belong so bad that they're willing to do things that they know intuitively are wrong and hurtful and shameful, but they're willing to do it because the pain is so deep of being rejected. But you know, in heaven, you belong. You belong. You're part of the family. You're accepted. You're loved. And your hate that you used to have, even the slightest bit of hate that you had, has now turned into what? Love. An evil that you had, because we have had evil thoughts, say amen, you all have. Instead of having evil thoughts, now you have thoughts of goodness. Let's go on. Oh, to anger, to patience. Let's go on. Selfishness, to generous. Conflict. Calm, I mean to peace, fear, to calm, rage, to gentleness. I want you to see that as you are changed in heaven, to have love and goodness, grace and mercy, righteousness, what do you begin to do? You begin to shine. That's your glory. 
Christ living in you fully. You're a completed person. You are now whole. Let's go to the, to the next slide, Heather. So you aren't given glory. You're radiating out glory. You are glory, so to speak. Shining forth the radiance of Christ in you. That is the gift of Christmas that will be. That one day, your brokenness will be finally healed. How many of, I, I, I don't know, maybe this is too personal a question. Some people have uh, incredible addictions. And they're so tired of being addicted. We're Dwayne and I were talking about being addicted to sugar earlier. You, know, you could be addicted to a lot of things that we seek out to find comfort, right? Could be addicted to the praise of men or the acceptance of and, and we just struggle. But there will be a day when that is removed. Hallelujah. You're going to be changed. That's the gift of the Christmas that will come. And when you are changed like Christ in you, the hope of glory, you start to radiate. And it is the glory that was promised to us in the beginning of the message. You don't deserve it. It's just something you're going to do because Christ is living in you. Time changes it, doesn't it? Changes the thinking. So the Christmas that was, Jesus breaking into our brokenness to save us. The Christmas that is, is the Holy Spirit transforming us moment by moment, day by day, thought by thought. And then the Christmas that will be is the day where you are completely changed and you will radiate out Christ in you. And that is your glory. Wow shining forth, living in God's perfect design, being perfected to the glory of God. Amen? Amen. Man, I can't wait for heaven <clears throat> to be done with the sinful life, to be done with the man, the old man that, that wrecks and wreaks havoc in my life. And thanks be to God, the day is coming where I want to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning to go open the present. I didn't understand. Because it's coming. <laughs> I'll tell you again. Because the day is coming where you want to get up at 4 o'clock to race out to get the present. That you're going to be changed. You cannot do this on your own. That is a lie from the pit of hell that you, you have to be good to, in order to be loved. You are already loved, and God is doing the work in you and through you so that one day you will be fully like him, and you will radiate out glory. Isn't that beautiful thing? Father God, in the name of Jesus, we come before you. And we just thank you so much that uh, another Christmas awaits that is going to be far beyond anything that we could ever hope or imagine, an internal weight of glory where you change us 
and then we live for you fully, serve you, and that we are perfected. And we thank you for that. We love you. We thank you that we have even begun to shine just a little here because of Christ living in us. And we celebrate that today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.